He has his own podcast. What is it, y'all? Get my shit together. Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Tuesday, May 10, 2022. I hope your week is off to a great start, and I hope you come to Limerick Comedy tonight and see an amazing free comedy show. And you know what? I'm not even going to tell you it's free anymore because if I say that, it sort of devalues what actually happens in the room. And that's disrespectful to the performers and all the people that come to see it. So come to Limerick tonight. It is going to be insane. I have, we have, what had, what, what, what we have is a failure to communicate. We, we have some amazing comics. Making his return to Limerick Junction leading off the show is Aaron Chastine. I have not seen him do stand-up comedy in too long, and I'm looking forward to seeing it tonight. He's going to be followed by two comics who are making their Limerick debuts. First, Anant Gupta, who I saw rip the Laughing Skull open mic a few weeks ago or a couple months ago. It could be six years ago, but Anant Gupta has never done Limerick, and I'm thrilled that he's doing it tonight. And he's going to be followed by relative newcomer to Atlanta, John Shrek, also making his debut. So, got some young up-and-comers beginning kicking off the show. Chastine's been out there for a while. Uh, And they are going to be followed by a comic who has, I think, only closed Limerick, but tonight she doesn't even need to do that. She is going right in the middle, and her name is Storm Artiste. She is a a beast, and she crushes everywhere. So uh, I could stop there, but I'm not going to. After Storm, I'm having, oh yeah, internationally famous touring comic William Childress. That's right, William Childress used to do comedy in Asia, and he is a craftsman if there was one, and he will be going after Storm. And you know what? It's something like you lay that at William Childress's feet. Like, fucking go ahead and follow Storm. He's up to, he's up to it. N- not a lot of people are. And then closing out the main show, a comic who is undefeated at Limerick and is one of my favorites. And I'm so glad that she gets to be the feature comic that I anointed her. That she's the feature comic tonight. Make a lot of noise for Crystal Pierce. She is, she and I, Crystal Pierce and I did a show in, somewhere in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of (laughs) way up there, Georgia, the kind of place, I talked about it on here somewhere, you'd have to go back and find it in the archives, I couldn't even tell you when it was, I know Crystal and I, oh, you know what it was, Crystal and I were wearing masks, I know that, we were the only people in the show wearing masks, it would have been, you know what it was, the election that uh, that the Republican Party is denying actually turned out the way that it did. The the party of my pillow. Did I say Republicans suck? No. So if you're Republican, don't get defensive. I just said your party denies what actually happened. Okay, that's really all I meant by that. So whenever that election was. Stop the steal. That that election, that was in the fall of 2020. It was the Saturday, the Friday after that election. I think it was the Friday after that election because I think we thought we were coming out of, gosh, what a mind f- twist. 
Don't get it twisted. What a mind... What I remember... I, what a mind fuck. That's what I was trying to say. I was trying to avoid saying it. I think in the fall of... Pardon me. I think in the fall of 2020, we thought we were coming back out of it, maybe. Is that right? Before... That was before vaccines were around. Maybe we're just going out there delicately with our masks on. I don't know what happened in the fall of 2020. Uh, But what I do know is that I went up to that show way up Georgia. And I mentioned, I remember talking about the podcast. It was the kind of place, it must have been right after I started the podcast. Uh, it might have been, it was the type of place where the black comics were saying to each other, like, you good getting home? Like, everybody's kind of looking out for each other. And it, it was, it was, it was, it was up there. It was pretty, as they say, some red birds up there. But I remember, so I remember the comics looking out for each other. And then I remember Crystal and I were the only people wearing masks. And we were standing outside the whole night, cold, it was cold. So that was right. That makes sense for a November show in 2020. And what? There was more. Did I remember that? I remember Crystal and I. I just lost the plot thinking about the weather. I'm sorry about that. Crystal Pierce's closing limerick. What else do I remember? About? Oh, I, here, sorry. This is the mindfuck of the pandemic. Is I remember Crystal and I both said, this is the last show we're doing for a while. Like, it must have been spiked up and masks weren't, weren't going to be enough or something. I don't know. But it was like, after that show, I shut it back down again for several months. I remember I had a, I had a good time that night. Uh, anyway, and but it was, uh, <laughs> it was not an East Atlanta Village crowd. It was pretty loose up there. Crystal and I... I love Crystal, and I'm glad she's closing. So come to Limerick tonight. That's the point of this. Well, me trying to trace what happened at a show two and a half, two years ago or a year and a half ago. I can't remember other than Landon Lackey was on it, and you don't, you're probably not all that interested in it. I think we all got home safely. We all got home safely. So that's Limerick. I want, I, I just want to get that out of the way before, before I forget. And also. I'm only hosting the main show tonight, so if that entices you to come over, it can entice you two ways. You can be like, oh, sweet, he's not going to be there the whole night. Maybe I'll come over later around 11 and uh, watch Lightning Round because he's not going to be there. That's fine. Or you might be like, oh, shit, he's not going to be there the whole time. I better get there at 9 o'clock to hear the bullshit he's going to talk at the top of the hour. And you know what? I encourage you to do that because I'm going to go back to working out that Florida bit that I loved and think is important, but kind of just got left in the left in the dust when I started moving into talking more about pandemic and political stuff in my act, getting my act together over the last year or so. The Florida act uh, is the Florida bit, I should say. I I tried doing it on the podcast. I think one of them's called like Alligator. Gators? I don't know. Sorry. This is not interesting to you. It's probably in the first 10 or 20 
episodes of the podcast, and it I believe it has alligator in the title. I'm not going to stop and look it up because I told you I've made a commitment. I will never, while we are talking, I will never use the internet or to look something up. It could all already be, you know, present on my phone and I could read it to you, but somewhere back there, meth, gator. Anyway, that's what I'm going to be talking about. Nine o'clock, come over to Limerick Junction. And again, if me being there early entices you to come early, please do that. If it entices, if me not being there entices you to come late, then do that. But you know who's hosting lightning round tonight? Nikki All Caps Murphy. So uh, it'll be a good time. Nick also, and then I will move on to what I want to talk about, which is my manual dexterity, my cat-like reflexes. Nick, in addition to being a hilarious stand-up, is also very clever with the uh, videos online. And he made one of our friend and former Pizza Mike, former once and forever Pizza Mike co-founder Brian King. If you're uh, knowledgeable about Atlanta comedy, you will know that in the last, over the weekend, Brian King, Brian King, so it goes like this, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Brian King, one of the nicest people you will meet and one of the funniest dudes you'll ever meet. Some woman fucking smacked him in the face at a show. I don't think it was necessarily, I don't know, I haven't talked to him. I just traded a text with him. I don't know. I think it was just some lunatic woman. I'm not certain that it was about anything he said. I believe it might have just been he was there at the wrong time, wrong place, and she was upset about noise or some shit. But. So go look at Brian's video. Brian got fucking cracked by this woman. And then he took it like a champ. He just kind of laughed. And <laughs> he had a joint that fell on the ground. And he picked that up. Um, also, boys, Chris Rock included, get your goddamn hands up. Anyway, Brian is one of my favorite people. If you go to his Instagram, and you should follow it, it's bkingblingbling. It has video of, I think if you go to the first, if you scroll back maybe a couple, at least it did this morning when I looked at it, there is like footage from a backyard looking show and this hysterical woman came up and smacked him. The second video though is doctored by Nick Murphy who adds music, intercuts it with Oscars footage, Tom Hanks saying, Houston, we have a problem. And just makes it absolutely hilarious. So Nick is very good at making online content. He's a very funny dude. Yeah, what is the deal with people attacking comics? Well, I know what it is exactly in psychological literature. You call it suggestibility. And you it's related to the social psychological concepts called availability and accessibility. Right? You don't know that you can slap a comic you don't have that in your brain as a possibility a knowledge structure knowing that you can do that unless you have it available in your brain and you have it available in your brain by watching a movie star smack one of the biggest comics in the world on the fucking oscars right you don't so that's available and then then in addition to availability it's one thing to have it in your brain it's another thing for you, you to be able to draw on it and use it as a guide for future behavior. And you do that by having it what's called accessible. So it's one thing to be in your brain and then 
then not everything in your brain is accessible simultaneously. Anyway, this woman fucking cracked Brian. And that's three in like the last month after Chappelle, <laughs> after that guy dis got disfigured after he tackled Chappelle. Brian handled it differently, and it didn't look like everybody didn't kick the shit out of this woman. Brian laughed, and uh, and the woman, I don't know what the woman did. I, I didn't see the rest of it, but Nick's, Nick's video mock-up of it is pretty funny. And if you're not following <clears throat> both of those guys on Instagram, you're missing two of the funniest people that I know. And I know a lot of funny people. I know a lot of funny people that don't even do stand-up. Because you know what? Funny feels good. So does money, I know, you greedy bastards. But funny just feels good. It tickles those little endorphins. Like I said, you see someone come up after a show and they have sort of a like a little gazy glow on them. Like that's that feels good. Uh so yeah, Nick will be hosting Lightning Round. Please come over. What I was going to mention very quickly was my cat-like reflexes. Earlier this evening, I was... I, we have a little Tupperware box of celery. And I was looking for just something to fill me up. And I didn't want a bunch of crackers and chips, which... Do you do that at night? It's like I've already... And we are challenged in part because we eat when our three-year-old eats. So our dinner is like at six o'clock. But I'm rarely asleep before one o'clock. So later on, like at nine, I'm like, all right, is it time for dinner? So we, and my wife's the same way. And what we end up doing is just eating a bunch of fucking chips and pretzels. And that's, it, that doesn't do anything. It does not, neither does goddamn celery. <laughs> so I might as well just eat dirt. But, yeah, so our eating has been thrown off since we have this child. And you know what? It's been thrown off because we haven't adjusted to it. That's all it is. So we eat with her around 6, <clears throat> 6.30. And then, like I said, three, four hours later, it's like, I'm still hungry. And by the way, I'm going to be up until 12.30 or 1. So tonight, I took a little more charge and didn't just... We have almonds. We usually have almonds. Now they cost more than weight of gold almonds usually do the trick because they fill you up uh, but just chips and pretzels it's it's a it's a no man's land my friends so tonight i grabbed out of this little tupperware box like four celeries is that what they're called <laughs> units of celery not big monsters you know they're chopped up so they look like you'd put them on a crudite but these, I swear, have been in the fridge for at least a week, week and a half, two weeks. My wife doesn't, she's not big on letting things stay in there, and I'm not either. Uh, but occasionally we do have a meal called fridge clean out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, fingers crossed, you don't get sick. But I, so I picked up these four or five pieces of celery and was, uh, walking to the bedroom or wherever my wife was to ask her about the shelf life on celery because celery seems kind of it tastes like plastic it seems you know like it's almost artificial like what else what else in the world has the same texture of celery 
like a tennis ball? No, I, I don't. I don't know even. How do you describe what it's like biting into celery? It's kind of cool tactile sensation, to be honest with you. you just, and then, of course, you're left with all these <laughs> guitar strings stuck in your throat. It's an interesting, flavorless, boring, yet tactilely, tactilely, however you say that, pretty satisfying to just bite into a celery. Probably more satisfying to just bite into a piece of celery and leave it there. Because those strings kind of jank it up. Well, those are the connective tissues in this in the celery, sir. They have to be there, <laughs> or the celery is not going to have that crunch to which you allude. I was walking to the bedroom to ask my wife if the celery had an infinite shelf life, and I imagine walking with your left hand at your side, right, like you're about to draw a pistol, as if. As if you didn't conceal your weapon and it was on the outside today. <laughs> Neither one of them will have permits. That's not going to be mandatory. But imagine you had a pistol on your left hip and your hand was there. And then imagine your right hand is uh, twirling your mustache like you're an evildoer. Like you're a juggler. <laughs> you're twisting your mustache, right? That's, that's essentially me. And uh, women get mustaches too. Imagine... That's that's me eating a piece of celery. Okay? So I'm eating the celery with my right hand, walking. The other hand, down by my holster, has the other pieces of celery. I somehow looked up, it slipped, whatever. The celery in my right hand fell while I'm walking. So from my twirling, my mustachio, and my shoulder height, it fell. And instinctively, like a like a like a cat like a cat that you hold on by its legs like a pig over a spit and you release it not that I've ever done that I don't think but I've seen it happen where you're holding a cat and then you probably work for a dog too I don't know why cats get all the credits you know you have to fucking turn your legs around you let the cat go the cat flips around lands and walks off and says yeah people are really assholes I drop the celery and with my left holster hand quick draw McGraw slap it over over without even looking down I slap it right over my belly as if I'm quickly putting on a seatbelt in an airplane bam and lo and behold I caught the celery and I had to stop myself from telling my wife how great I was I was like you know what people listen to this podcast would really find this fascinating and that's it that's the whole story i it was in a nanosecond the celery fell and i was just like matrix born supremacy bam i had it all and i just started eating and i said to my wife celery have any shelf life and she goes nah probably not really so i just ate it and so far i haven't puked i'm not drinking tonight while i'm recording this podcast just because I started recording it too late and like what's the point of like hey it's 11:30 I think I'll nah anyway I missed my drinking window tonight but what I did have was a few bites of chocolate chip ice cream so I'm a little hopped up on the chocolate chip chocolate chip dude I've never heard you talk about ice cream do you have an ice cream thing no I don't as a matter of fact I don't have much of a sweet tooth to be honest with you but I got some ice cream yesterday or Sunday as it were on Mother's Day, when my daughter and I, 
took I took my daughter away from my from her mother on Mother's Day. <laughs> Mom's out there like that is a great gift. Thank you. I thought so too. But my wife is obsessed with my daughter as I've told you <clears throat> and would just as soon spend all day in in front of her playing with her or as we call it partying. But Sunday was an interesting start because the girl got up at 4.50 a.m. And she got up because she wet her bed. She's three, okay? She's not 17. She wet her bed. You know why she wet her bed? Because she's a big girl. That's why. Who doesn't sleep in a pull-up anymore. And occasionally accidents happen. So we heard her get up and... I, not even because it was, just because I'm a good man. <laughs> not because it was Mother's Day, but at 4.50, <clears throat> I got up and went into her room because I heard her use the bathroom. And I said, hey, girl, what's going on? And she was like, I'm getting dressed, putting on daytime clothes. And as you've heard me say before, we have to sometimes tell her, like, it is not fucking daytime yet, and it's really not daytime for your mother and me. So... I didn't make a big deal. We've done a fucking brilliant job. If we've done one thing, we've avoided, I think, making pee and poop uh, a, a deal, an issue. Like I don't, I think she has zero self consciousness about it. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a deal. But I've heard about people like forcing potty training or making kids self conscious about about peeing and pooping, and we were effortful in not trying to do that. You know, which is now like why my daughter will be like in a grocery store and go, I need a wipe, please. You know, she's pretty at peace, I think, with her bodily functions, which is which is very important, you know, to your, you know, feeling good about yourself or not feeling. You'll have enough things to feel ostracized from the world without having to worry about doing the same fucking thing that every other person does except for girls who don't poop. <laughs> so I don't think she has any issues, but I still... I, I, I don't think I even said, did you, is the bed wet or anything? I just kind of felt it and it was wet. So I took off at 4.52 a.m. I took off the sheets, the, you know, and she pees in a small radius. But, uh, or small diameter, small whatever, circumference. I took all that stuff off and I threw it into the washer and started it at 4.52 in the morning. And then remade her bed, put a new just remade it right new blanket new everything and i'm like all right girl you want to get in she's like no 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 thank you and i'm like but it's it's nighttime it's still like and i tried to visually explain like here's when you went to bed here's when we get up we've only crossed this far in the timeline but she's lacing up <laughs> she's putting on pants she's putting on a shirt uh, later, she would put on, at like 7 a.m., she would put on her tap shoes, <laughs> which, you know, you're going to hear about that in a small little house with hardwood floors like ours is. So, 4.50 in the morning, I said, okay, well, mom, mom and I are going back to sleep. Uh, our rule with her is, you can't rule. Our guidance to her is, stay in your bedroom. Right, it's not time to get up and party, right? Which she wants to do. She has a pretty good life thus far. It's not time to get up and just go nuts. 
This is still time when we're supposed to be convalescing. <laughs> we're supposed to be resting. Your two senior citizen parents are trying to get some sleep. So we say, just just if you want to be up, or if you're going to be up, you don't have to go to sleep. We don't want to force that. What are you going to do? Fucking go to sleep, dude. I told you, go to sleep now. How come you're not asleep? Fall asleep, motherfucker. Don't make me come back here. You better sleep. Well, okay, well, dude, I'm in there like tweaking out, waiting for you to come back and fight me. So we just say, all right, we're going back to sleep. You don't, you know, we don't say go to sleep, but you have to stay in your room until it's morning time. And never really do we, no, she's good. So we don't have to like fucking hold the door. I think fortunately she's kind of, I don't want to jinx it, but I think she's kind of on the other side of the terrible twos or the threes or whatever that I was battling with late last year. And maybe part of her being past it and being over it is, I'm a better dad. I'm much more, I tell you, I'm trying to be a better dad every day. So maybe I'm influencing it. Maybe it's just, she's just tight. And I shouldn't fucking jinx it because we're going to be on a couple airplanes in the next coming months and we'll see. She'll be like, oh yeah, you don't think I'm, you don't think I still have that in me? Well, watch. I'm going to go under the chair. So she stayed in her room and then around seven o'clock, she has a bit of a alarm in her, what do you call that? Circadian rhythm. She came into our room and was like, what's going on? I'm ready. Is it morning time? And her mom on Mother's Day said, yeah, girl, it is. And so I said to my wife, I'm like, I'm happy to take her out of here and let you sleep in, you know, in the proverbial or the stereotypical Mother's Day. Dear, today is the one day of the year. I will take care of the baby in the morning. I said, you're welcome, but it doesn't work because my wife is pretty dialed in with the girl and attuned, and just loves her and wants to fucking hang out with her. So she, she has a hard time staying asleep if the girl is in the house is the best way to say that. And she's probably, maybe, she's like, well, I have to make sure you don't fuck it up. I don't think that's it. So it was kind of futile for me to say, I'll take the baby out. But I did say it. And she's like, no, it's okay. I'm going to get up. And as soon as she said, I'm going to get up, I said, well, then I'm going to go down to the basement <laughs> and sleep for a little more. Might as well. One of us. And you notice in these stories when at least one of us should get a good night's sleep, <laughs> it's usually me. Because of the intimate bond between mother and child and the selfishness of father, I suppose. I don't know. So she said she's getting up. I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to go to the basement. And I went to the basement at 7 and slept for like another hour and 45 minutes and woke up maybe even two hours, like 9 o'clock. Woke up right as rain. I'm ready for the day. My wife, on the other hand, is on, you know, yeah, she's on six hours of sleep, something like that, but it's not. And I'd made the offer. I was like, hey. I got you, I got you. She's like, I'll just take a nap later. Like, all right, well, the catch to the daughter taking the nap on the weekends is the daughter then wants to party with us. So if we all try to lie down, all right, I'm, I'm too far in the nap weeds, but here's what happened. So my daughter is three, and she is, if she gets up at 4.50, she is two hours 
She has two hours sleep less than she should. And as you can imagine, even if you don't have kids, that becomes a bit of a ticking time bomb. And she's going to be short and impatient and frustrated, and she doesn't know why, and she'll be too pissed to take a nap because she just doesn't know. She has, You know how you feel when you're way underslept? Now imagine being three, not being able to put that into a sentence and explain it, and not understanding, wow, if I close my eyes now and take a nap, you get it, right? She can't look past, you know, she can't understand that how she feels now is affected by what happens last night. I mean, she has theory of mind. <laughs> she knows she's a unit, but that's a higher order function she just doesn't have. So, that is why I, and my daughter and I do like to have our Sunday uh, outings together. You know, I told you before, we'll go get on the train and <laughs> ride it to the airport, or we'll go down to Laughing Skull, or we go to Limerick. I take her to bars. <laughs> But we like our little Sunday afternoon outings. And so we all made it to, I don't know, 1.30 or 2 o'clock on, on Mother's Day. And the girl and I wanted to go see some music. And so I, I looked around either Sunday morning or the day before Saturday, Saturday to find out what, what was cracking. And what there was, and this... You'll know the name, but I don't know if she'll mean much to you. What there was at the Earl Strand Theater in Marietta was a tribute, a musical tribute with live jazz music to Billie Holiday, one of the iconic jazz singers of all time. I don't know, have I ever conveyed to you that I'm a big jazz fan? Not like, you know, what do you call it? Not uh, contemporary jazz, but like, I don't know. I listened to jazz uh, like a long, long time. I love it. And have I ever talked about it? Anyway, I'm a big jazz fan. And I play piano. I listen to a lot of jazz. If you ever see my limerick stories, a lot of times, you know, when I'm announcing the show, I'll put those little flyers up there. A lot of times there, there will be a music bed that is jazz playing in the background. And now... Is music off Instagram? It seems to be. I don't know. I can't get it back on there. Anyway, so I said, Lou, do you want to uh, go to Marietta? You want to go to? I said, do you want to go to Marietta Square and watch, uh, watch jazz, listen to some jazz? And she said, yes, please. <laughs> so we got in the car, and really the purpose of this is going to be for her to go to sleep first because she will sleep in the car on a weekend we were so we left the house at like one thirty-two. we were less than i can give you the actual distance we were less than two miles from our house and she was already asleep in the back with her big charlie brown head kind of tilted over uh, which i imagine is straining that neck that's how tired she was less than two miles we were in the car for like seven minutes and she was asleep and I put on I, I put on the radio, and it was uh, some NPR. It was NPR, and lib chart. Well, dude, they don't fucking lie. They might not. They might report on stuff that you don't like, and they may be biased because they don't, you know, cover what's happening in church today. But it's not fucking lying like Fox News. So I get it. I get it. I get it. 
Anyway. So then, once she's asleep in the car, I can either immediately turn around, come back home, and just park in the driveway and just leave her sitting there until she wakes up. And, you know, I can keep an eye on her. Or I can just go do some errands. Oh, fighting off a big yawn. Sorry. Or I can just go do some errands <laughs> while she's asleep. Because when she's sleeping well, she's going to be out. So I went and got some gas. And all the while, this NPR woman, they're talking about cooking, so it was really easy to listen to. And then I made the pasta with, I mean, it's NPR plus cooking. I mean, it's like, that's why it became an SNL parody, I suppose. So easy to fall asleep to. Interesting and like luxury. Yes, let's go to the south of France. Yes, the Italian Riviera. Sounds great. I love it. Tuscan, 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 Tuscan cooking. Yeah, I love it. Got gas and then started driving north. I don't know. I drove all over the place. I drove downtown first and then, which isn't all that far from where we live, and then drove back onto the 75 and started going toward Marietta. And by the time she woke up, we'd been driving for, <laughs> we'd been in the car for an hour and 15 minutes. And my wife had periodically asked for a couple updates and I'd said, I said, are you taking a nap? Please get some rest. Trying to like, I feel like if one of us takes the baby out to sleep, the other person should try to sleep themselves. But it doesn't have to be that way. And my wife used the time to do a few things. So she, and then she act. I said, no. And then she'd, sorry, getting ahead of myself. She used that time to do a few things for herself. I realize there are no, there's no humor in this, but that's okay. We're just talking today. Um, I told you about Brian King. That was pretty, pretty awful for Brian, but Nick's edit was pretty funny. I could tell you, I'm going to finish this. I could tell you also about, I told you neighbor who listens to the podcast had a party on Friday and he was fucking crippled. (laughs) He was banged up seemingly earlier than you would have thought. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. So I'm texting my wife. She's, I'm saying, are you getting anything out of, uh, I'm texting and driving while I'm driving my sleeping child. That's so demerit, good father, but with a demerit for texting and driving with the baby in the car. She's three. I tell my wife, she's still asleep. She's been asleep for an hour. And my wife sends like a million hearts and said, honestly, that is the best Mother's Day gift you could give me. Which made me feel good. But I really, I know what just what that means. It just makes her feel good that that little package, as we call her sometimes, is just fueling up <laughs> to wreak havoc later on. But she's got a good fire. She's a good one. So, and what did I get my wife? I got her flowers and I got her... It's so hack. I got her flowers and I got her a gift card to get uh, a massage or a facial or some pampering treatment, whatever she would like. Flowers, that, and that, and then I took this. <laughs> and then I drove around for an hour and 15 minutes until my daughter woke up. My my wife, right as my wife is sending me like, 
oh, that's the best gift I could ever, you could ever get me. Thank you so much. And I was like, well, that's great. Uh, my pleasure. Also, we are fucking practically in Chattanooga right now. <laughs> so we will hopefully be back in time for dinner. But we were way north of Marietta. I don't know where we were when we finally turned around. And we turned around and the girl woke up refreshed. Sometimes kids, like adults, wake up cranky. Uh, my wife actually is uniformly in a good mood, steady, eddy, optimistic, even-keeled, forward-looking, bright-eyed. But when she wakes up from a nap, you want to give her some space. I do. <laughs> I want to send her into space, or at least take myself on Jeff Bezos' rocket. But the girl woke up cheerful, radiant, thrilled. And she's like in the back seat and I can see her. You know, she's looking up in the rear view trying to see me, my eyes. And I was like, how was it, girl? And she's like, good. And I said, do you still want to go see some music? And she's like, yes, please. I said, do you want to go to Marietta Square? She doesn't know what that means, but if I say it once, she said, can we go to Marietta Square? So we went, and if you don't live in the Atlanta metropolitan area, what Marietta Square is, <clears throat> is it these places exist all over the south and maybe other parts of the country and they do in other parts of the country i grew up in southern california where everything's fucking brand new seeming like well we just all started here in 1975 or 1983 and this is what everything looks like but elsewhere in the country as you know there are these small town squares that look like back to the future my first vision of seeing those town squares was in something like Back to the Future rather than Marietta Square where you could grow up and, you know, the local Klansman had an office on the corner. That's what Marietta Square looks like. It's, this, it's 25 minutes outside the city of Atlanta in a northern uh, suburb, I guess you call it, called Marietta or Mayretta, as some people call it. And it's this Back to the Future vibe, you know, ice cream shop and that's why that's where i got the ice cream that i st started this goddamn story ice cream's delicious um you know pizza here a bar there a wine thing there a bookstore just a cool square in the middle there's a gazebo and kids are playing on an old train you know what i'm describing but at the edge of one side of marietta square and marietta square by the way is actually the place where i did that comedy show in Spanish <laughs> for uh, Juan Martinez and I got to tell everybody about you are a gay no and who cares dude I'm just doing laundry you are a you are a gay eres un mujer you're a woman but that's what that show is on Marietta Square but right on one side of the, the square the majestically facing the square is the earl i think it's called the earl and rachel smith strand theater i know it is the earl smith strand theater but i think it's rachel and earl or earl smith strand theater which is a beautiful old theater right here on the square and where until the pandemic, there used to be 
occasional comedy shows that took place in this massive, beautiful theater that I don't have the theater language to describe. But I imagine it's like the Chicago Theater or the Fox Theater downtown. It's just beautiful inside. Uh, I, I, shouldn't, I should probably have more theater vocabulary to describe it. Uh, Baroque? I, I don't know how to say it. Upstairs from the theater, there used to be, and there may still now, be a comedy open mic that was so influential in my development, so important, and it was run by the late, great Nickelbag Rick, who suddenly died, I believe, in the fall of, of last year. Just out of nowhere. He was a... So, you know, a comedy scene has players who do different things, bookers, showrunners, comics, hosts, you know, all, all sorts of types of bartenders and servers. And everyone, you know, has a part to play. Back to yours. <laughs> but Nickelbag Rick was... He was an important figure in what is called OTP comedy or, you know, comedy out in the suburbs a little bit, outside of the uh, initial ring of highway that surrounds the city of Atlanta. And he ran an open mic there, I swear, that started at like 7 o'clock on a Wednesday and he would go until like 11 or 11.30. He didn't always host it. And you know what he did? He always let other people host it. And you could develop. He would keep it open. If I remember one time I was driving back from doing a show at the Comedy Catch in Chattanooga. And I was working on a bit. And it was like 10.45. I'm hauling ass down 75. And if you don't live in the city of Atlanta, Chattanooga is like an hour. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Chattanooga is like at least, I guess, like an hour and a half away. If you're going 80 miles an hour, it's probably eight. It's probably an hour and a half away. If you're going 85, 90, it's probably more like 100. All right, that's an SAT question. <laughs> Distance times rate times how badly are you working on this bit? Well, I was driving back from the comedy catch and I did message him from the car. I know I never had Nickelbag Rick's phone number, I don't think. We would communicate over Facebook Messenger and I'm like, hey, I'm 25 minutes away. Can I still get up? And he's like, yeah, come on over. And I got there, and there was, like, the bartender, Rick, and maybe, I don't know, the janitor were sitting there waiting for me. And I was like, dude, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were holding for me. Oh, don't worry about it. We're good. And I just went up there, and I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, dude. And I started just talking and bullshitting, and, and I was trying to work on some bit. I can't remember what it was, but he let me... I, they were all laughing, so I just kept talking for like 15 minutes. And when you don't have access to a lot of stage time, and certainly you don't have a lot of access to stage time at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night, someone giving you 15 minutes to just fuck around is incredible. And it was very sweet and emblematic of everything Nickelback Rick was. Good for the game. He used to book me on shows. He used to, he used to book me on shows in breweries in the majestic theater at the strand in god knows i feel like uh, car dealerships 
he would always ask me, and even at, I got better and I got more opportunities, he kept, I, I always, I would do any one of his shows. I, I never stopped saying yes to him. Um, not that, you know, who gives a fuck? You get better, you get more opportunities, your your time is more scarce. I always, I always was, like, that man was great. I, I never said no to him, I don't think. Just because he was so cool and so good for the game. But he would have these shows inside the theaters, theater, and it was great. And he passed away last year. I don't even know how. I I think someone said he had a heart attack. But he he was a really good dude. Rick Wayne, rest rest in peace, rest in power. Um, he had these shows in the theater where my daughter and I went on Sunday, and we got to the front of the theater, and it's. You know, the vibe is the men work, the boys, the kids working behind the counter are dressed like of the time, of the theater. So they look like they, they're wearing like the same clothes like a monkey with an organ grinder would wear, you know, like a little kind of goofy hat and, you know, I don't know, velvet vest. It's not goofy. It's just what those kind of places are. And the and the the floor is like really intricately tiled, and it's beautiful. And my daughter's never been in a place like that. And so this woman came to the front, and she said, "May I help you?" And it's glass doors, and you can see in, and it's a big walkway up to the theater. Inside, it slopes up and then goes down as you go into the theater. And we got in there, and I said to the woman, "I said you have live music right now, right?" And she said, "Yes, it's just starting. It was starting at three o'clock." <laughs> starting at 3 o'clock, and I could hear applause, and it already it already had started. She said, yes, it's just starting. I said, oh, may we get tickets for two, or something like that. And she looked at us, and she's like, you two? Yeah, you fucking old coot. Who else do you see here? I said, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. And she said, uh, she said, well, tickets are $20. She goes, how about just $20? And I said, okay. And she goes, all right, let me go. You know, she like poked her head out the window and she goes, let me go open the door. And then when we came around, opened the door, something in the last five seconds in her personality, and I hope I'm not getting her in trouble by everybody in Marietta and everybody at the Earl Smith Strand Theater who listens to podcast. When we came around the corner and went into the door, she's like, you know what? It's okay. Don't worry about it. So we got in for free. We saved 40 bucks. She probably just saw my cute daughter and was like, you know, fucking let him go. And I said, oh, we'll buy some stuff to make it worth your while. And they did have a bar there. I didn't. <laughs> uh, hey, sweetie, I'm going to have a dad's going to have a J-Mo while he watches this. But we got a, a water and a popcorn. And the, we, we were comped. And clearly the woman had comp tickets there. And we went into this huge theater. And we sat toward the back. And there is a quintet or a sextet on stage. Pian- I think a quintet. Quintet and a singer? Quintet and a singer. Drums, bass, piano. Drums, bass, piano. Who am I missing? Saxophone. And singer. So it was a it was a a quartet with a singer or a quintet, depending on how, how you want to say that. Drummer, 
stand-up bass, piano, saxophone, and then a singer. I got to tell you, in 2022 and being in Marietta, which is, you know, has a bit of a vibe of, you know, like I said, the clan on the square, that wasn't like a stretch. You know, it's you're moving outside the city of Atlanta. It's not all white, but it's it's, you know, you're moving outside the city. It's a lot of white faces or a lot of white head. It's not all white, but, uh, you know, it's it's moving away from the urban core of Atlanta, if you will. So in 2022, it's just hard not to notice that you're at a Billie Holiday, uh, an iconic black American celebration. And the guy doing the talking on the drums is a white dude. He's like, it's like a slideshow on the, on the big screen. And he's talking about Billie Holiday and her early start and her incredibly rough early life and then moving to Harlem. And then they're going to play a song. So the ba- so it's just noticeable. Or maybe I'm I see race and everything. I'm not, you know why? Cuz you're supposed to. That's why. <laughs> you're not supposed to say I don't see race. You're supposed to say I don't see religion. <laughs> but you religious people always see religion. Anyway, so what is the I think it I think it matters if you're going to have a Billy Holiday band and they fucking rip the drummer white as he was was a witch they were terrific saxophonist playing a big tenor saxophone also white did he shred absolutely bassist black dude pianist black dude singer white woman i'm sidetracking the story of which it's just me and my daughter in this theater with all these people so it's not like a huge uh it's not going to lead to a big denouement but it was just noticeable. They they killed, though. They were great. And my daughter and I stayed in there. My three-year-old daughter, who has the attention span of a hummingbird, she stayed in for six songs. I, can't, I, can't, I couldn't believe it, but she never asked to leave. I mean, once we got up to go, go potty, <laughs> and uh, there was some guy just crushing the stall and I was like oh girl let's are you sure you have to go right now let's let's come back anyway we stayed in the theater for a total of six songs we heard body and soul we heard god bless the child who's got his own we heard uh Ooh, what a little moonlight can do wait God bless child, body and soul, fine and mellow. Uh, anyway, six songs. We were in there for probably half an hour. So the guy would play a song, the band would play a song, the piano player absolutely shredded. So did the saxophone. So they all did. Uh, and it was really, really cool. My daughter sitting next to me was sharing a popcorn, and she never, she was just taking it all in, taking everything in, like looking at the people next to us, looking up at the ceiling. Um, and my style of parenting was like, here we are, here's the exposure every once in a while. Isn't that cool? Now look at how fast the piano player's hands moving. But then I just sit back and let her enjoy it. I'm not trying to translate her experience for, for her. And then we were finished. We left. She, it was a good day for her. She got popcorn. She got a nice nap. She had 
She enjoyed some jazz, some mainstream, some classical jazz. And then we left, walked across the square, and <laughs> got some ice cream. I am. It's it was a rough day for her. And then we got home. I can't believe I talked this long. You know, I. I'm, I'm well. Uh, LNC is now like sitting in her driveway, having no breathers. I doubt it. This might not be the the night you're having no breathers, but I wanted to. I'll tell you what. I will do this on the first. I had somebody else get in touch. Somebody who I who texted or texted something to the email, and the email is as you know, yes, Joe Smith. But you know when it comes from a phone number you don't recognize that it looks like uh, it just has like the phone number and then at mms.att.net, something like that. Well, this person sent me apparently a response to a question I asked last time when I was reading LNC's um, email about her parents going to Christian amusement parks and going to see the Georgia Guidestones. And I didn't know what either of those things were. So I will pick up on this next time, but I'm going to wet... I will pick up on Georgia Guidestones next time. But I'm going to wet your whistle because we might have another new uh, contributor to the podcast because they sent me a link from something called geoengineeringwatch.org. <laughs> I don't know if it is a QAnon website or not, but I like the way they just come out and and I'm joking about that. I don't know if I, I doubt it's QAnon, but uh, it's it's about these. Uh, here here's what got me like this. What is this fucking website? So I clicked on the link and it says the Georgia Guidestones, one of the oldest or the highest hilltops in Elbert County, Georgia, stands a huge grand monument engraved in eight different languages on the four giant stones that support the common capstone are ten guides or commandments. This monument is alternately referred to as the Georgia Guidestones or the American Stonehenge. Though relatively unknown to most people, especially those from California, it is an important link to the occult hierarchy that dominates the world in which we live. <laughs> okay, pull up a chair. My word that I, I saw occult hierarchy. And I'm like, well, yeah, but who fucking writes that? And it turns out it's geoengineering watch. <laughs> so I'm going to read this thing. I'm when the next podcast starts because I'm cognizant of not going too long uh, as LNC is sitting in her uh, driveway after a long night of work, probably wants to get in, soak her feet and have a good night's sleep. So I will check, I will, what will I do? I will read this to you as soon as we start the podcast that airs on Friday. In the meantime, come say hello at Limerick tonight. I will be there from 9 until 10.30-ish. And then after that, you're in uh, good hands with Nick Murphy. Have a great week, and I will talk to you on Friday about <laughs> the occult hierarchy that... And whoever sent me that, that from that text message keep sending shit in because 
I need, I don't want to say your type of crazy, but I, I don't know what this is, but I like it. So stay in touch. Anybody else, feel free to get in touch. Yes, Joe Smith. Thanks for listening, et cetera, et cetera, and I'll talk to you soon.